Welcome back to Geeks in a Pod. If you're joining us for the first time, each week we will debate and discuss a topic as it pertains to movies, television, and all things media. My name is Derek Wong. With me today is... What's up, everyone? It's Arthur. Hey, it's Jeff. This week we'll be discussing the drastic new deal between AMC and Universal and what it means for VOD and the theatrical experience. Uh, with the success of VOD releases like Trolls World Tour, Universal announced that they would consider releasing future movies on VOD and potentially skipping theaters. Regal Entertainment and AMC were both not happy about this particular announcement and retaliated with banning all future Universal movies from being shown in their theaters. This meant huge tentpole franchises like future Fast and the Furious movies and future Jurassic World movies would, would be forced to find a different venue, most likely VOD, to release their movies. But it was only, uh, I think a week ago, recently a deal was struck between AMC and Universal to reduce that theatrical window to 17 days so that after three weekends, Universal movies could be displayed in a VOD format for a premium price. A lot of articles have been quoting around 20 bucks. And then after the regular 90-day VOD window, those prices would then drop down to 3 to $6 per rental. What do you guys think about this deal, for, first and foremost? Uh, well, first of all, VOD standing for video on demand. So that's pretty yes. much online purchase or rental of a video or a film, TV show, what have you. And last I heard, at least the latest buzz is pretty much that AMC pretty much got a, got the equivalent of a sweetheart deal for this kind of thing. Because my understanding, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, is that AMC actually gets a cut of any of the... Um, any of the purchases made for video on demand on an online streaming online service. Uh, so AMC still actually, I think, uh, still receives some uh, income from that whole thing. Mm. You know, originally, like hearing about this, this is, has huge implications, right? I, I pay attention to a lot of uh, tech news and, and things about streaming. And one of the things is like studios and companies nowadays, they have less and less incentive to contract out their films to other venues such as a theater when everybody's building their own streaming service where all that monetization can be internal. That has huge implications, I think, for the future of the industry. Like before, if you had to watch a movie, you either had to do it through a movie theater chain and or following that some sort of distribution media, uh, VHS, uh, DVD, Blu-ray now, uh, what's next? Uh, but now everything's kind of being internalized within the company themselves. So I think, you know, this might be like the beginning of the of the end for like mass theater chains to a certain extent. I think it's going to become a lot more of a niche product. I could definitely see this as this could be the the tipping point, right? When we look back in history, this could be the point where we say, oh, this is what finally put the final nail in, in the coffin of, of theaters, right? But I'm of the opinion that this, to me, is still a win in a sense for theaters, because especially during this COVID-19 situation and everyone sheltering in place, and then also no one's been going to theaters for the last, oh man, like four months now, this could have really been the final nail in the coffin, right? This could have been like Universal taking their stand and saying, fine, you don't want to show us theaters, then we are going to release everything in VOD. And we'll see where the cards lie at the end of this. But to then strike a deal so that movies still get shown in theaters. And I guess they haven't struck a deal, I don't think, with Regal yet. But they've struck a deal with AMC. It's AMC only right now as of the time of our recording. Yeah. 
and then you know, this is there's another thing to to consider here is that universal on its own universal doesn't actually have a distribution platform but it's owned by comcast which i believe also owns uh the services that lead to peacock yes they own nbc Right. So Comcast as a whole, not necessarily just Universal, but Com- its parent company, Com- mm-hmm. Comcast, there's an incentive there to release these like high end, very well established franchise tentpole films that people will watch because they have their own service now. And mind you, as of the time of this recording, it's absolutely brand new. But I think the more we normalize that process, which, you know, again, you can, we can argue all we want about whether that normalization is cool or not, about like, you know, Netflix is doing its own films and it's only released on Netflix and every other company doing the same thing. But I mean, the more we normalize that process, the more theaters become more of a niche market versus like the way to go watch a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that's the big thing. But like you said, I mean, they they cut a deal and the theaters sort of save themselves. But the real question is, is how long have yeah. they saved themselves for? Like, if COVID goes away and theaters open, will people go back to theaters? COVID is not going away anytime soon, and theaters are still opening up anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have AMC and Regal pretty much opening at the beginning of September, which is about a month away from this recording. And the big tentpole is going to be tenant, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like now they have really dug their feet in and it seems like they most likely will not move it from that date just because it, it sounds like we're going to release it where we can and just whatever, right? Yeah. Like what happens, happens. Unless theaters, you know, back out from their claim that they're going to reopen and then tenant has no choice to move again. But it does seem like they are starting to coincide and, and starting to think about reopening theaters again. Oh, for sure. And like the big news this past week is that Disney, you know, one of the most recognizable companies in the world, just decided to release Mulan as a granted premium pay rental, essentially, yeah. on their own service, which they said it's like kind of like it's a one-off. I think there's a lot of speculation right now because there's limited information coming out of Disney officially, but... yeah. Uh, I think they're saying, oh, no, 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 this is just a one-off because of the COVID crisis. But I mean, I can guarantee you from a business standpoint, right, they're feeling this out and they're saying, all right, you know, we can get a what Trolls World Tour essentially did. This could like set off the new norm. You know, Disney's one of the biggest companies and you're thinking about kids too. So like, where do people take their families to? Well, they take them to a movie theater because it's like a family day out and it's sort of Mm -hmm. like that cheaper theme park experience in a way. So I think if Disney can is making this bold move and actually pulls it off, you know, you're not looking great in the theater business, like in the old fashioned theater business. They have to somehow evolve or do something for their business model. So my take on this is that it actually really depends on the opening of theaters, who really wins, because we have no money to show for it yet. There are no... Mm -hmm real projections there's not really any significant figures that we can we can bring up except for trolls world tour by that logic universal i guess has an edge in my opinion because they have a little more control they basically said hey 17 days we're going to give you that but then we're going to release everything i think it's actually a very fair deal in a sense because then it's like well even some of the earnings that they get from the video on demand it's going to go to them, like Jeff said, 
But I think in the very end, it's going to come down to how well do these theaters actually come out ahead in September or do they still have a deficit in profits? That's going to be a big definition for how long, just like you guys said, how long these theaters are going to last. I think due to Trolls World Tour, the people that are actually like everyone that's losing is technically the audience. They're getting trolled because <laughs> some oh, people don't want to go to the theaters, right? But for 17 days, are they going to risk it? You know, I don't know. Some people might, yeah. some people won't. But at the end of that, are you willing to wait three weeks? So people might be like, ah, three weeks. I might as well wait till it comes on DVD then. So there's a lot of things going into that. Actually, if I can interject, though, it's not waiting for it to come on DVD. It's waiting for it to go on a streaming service because that's the new normal. And that's the easy way to do it, right? Because we don't usually go out of our way to buy or rent a film typically online on its own. But if it comes to a streaming service, we're like, oh, it's on my streaming service now. I'm going to watch it. I meant to say own it uh, digitally. That's actually right. what I meant to say. Yeah. Right. Not necessarily a streaming platform like wait for it to come out, but just own it digitally in some fashion. Oh, I, I absolutely. I mean, my personal opinion is I think they're going to bypass the ownership route and then go straight to the streaming platform. That's what they're building their exclusivity for because they want to keep people paying that monthly fee. That's the new normal, not to buy like a one-off, but to keep people paying every month and keep feeding people stuff every month to kind of keep them going because, hey, it's only $10 for Netflix every month, right? I count that as ownership of like you owning that, technically owning that video because you're technically subscribed to that particular publication. I got you. So in a sense... Yeah, you kind of own it. Like, it's easy right? access. You've paid that it's money, exact, easy yeah. access yeah, yeah, yeah. to that exactly. movie. Before we get into this whole Mulan thing, I mean, that's what Disney Plus was, right? It was this almost guarantee, like, hey, you sign on Disney Plus, or you sign up for a subscription to Disney Plus, it basically ensures you, hey, any future Marvel movies eventually will come to this platform and you'll get to watch it. Any Star Wars movies we release will eventually come to this platform and you'll get to watch it, right? But now this... Mulan thing because of the lack of information really throws a, a wrinkle in that equation, right? Because the news has reported that you're going to be paying a premium price of $30 to get access to Mulan. And it, it's for the lifetime of you being a subscriber to Disney Plus. But does that mean that it will no longer actually come to any other Disney Plus users? If you don't pay that premium price, kind of relating back to what I said before, I think Disney is testing the waters here because, and, and it's kind of what I'm afraid of because we all sign on to Disney Plus because it was a great price or it was a, it was a, you know a great amount of content for stuff that we like. Well, you know, all of us here are Star Wars, Marvel, have, know someone that loves Disney films. You know, we can rewatch this stuff and we're and for a good price. But if Disney can pull off this double tier system for premium content like Mulan, which Disney is essentially mostly premium content, I think every single streaming service will follow in, in route. And we are going to see like, as a consumer, you're going to see like a huge uptick in cost for all of us. I mean, we're all of us. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm signed on to three different streaming services. I'm signed on to way more than that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, right. But remember, the idea with streaming services was cut the cord, get out of cable, which was somewhere around the range of 70 to 100 bucks. 
But now when you add them all up again, it's basically back to yep. and, 50, and 60 since bucks. They pigeonholed it so well into their own little um, worlds for each company, you're kind of forced to sign on to each one. My fear is that like if this Mulan experiment works, oh shoot, you're going to see this happen to everything. And we're going to be waiting at least at 90 plus days minimum before it hits the streaming services too. So are people going to wait? People can wait three weeks, I think. I can wait three weeks personally. But waiting three to six months, that might be harder for me if there's a movie I really want to watch. In my opinion, if you can wait three weeks, you can wait three months, you can wait six months, you can wait however long because it's still coming. I don't well, think don't so. Know that. You don't know I that. don't think so, yeah. But that's that's my question about this Mulan thing, right? There is no information that says that after a certain amount of days, it will be available to all Disney Plus users, right? Mm-hmm. They are locking it behind this paywall that I don't know if it's ever going to come down. So, like, am I never going to be able to see Mulan when I thought that all Disney movies eventually will be able to be seen on Disney Plus? I think eventually it will be. They just haven't said anything yet. But it might actually be longer than the three to six months that you guys are kind of guesstimating. Or is it, in yeah, sense. or is it like yeah. the normal, like wherever you know, normally, like you know, Avengers comes out in May and then they'll release it on Disney Plus in like December or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I don't know what their normal schedule is, but I would like Disney to be more upfront and be like, "Hey, this is just so that you get early access, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You pay the right. thirty bucks, you get to see it first day it comes out. If not, wait eight months and we'll or just even say eventually it'll come to Disney Plus for you, right? Yeah. Which but there is that lack of communication right now, which, purposely, yeah. I, which I think is purposeful, right? Because yeah. oh, I, I, I don't so think they too, know yeah. either, but I, I definitely think it's a test because, you know, by the end of the day, all these companies are, you know, looking to pr- make income and, and find new sources of income. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't usually want to wait. If it's a movie I want to watch, I might wait a few weeks. I don't want to wait six months for it. So I'm probably going to be one of those people that might end up paying the premium and, Disney's going to be like, heck yeah, this guy's paying like 20 bucks on top yeah. of the subscription fees that he's already paying. You know, yeah. like how many people are going to do that? I think it's going to be, I think it's a lot. And and that's kind of my fear is like, hey, they're going to, they're going to see it. It's going to work. And every other streaming company is going to follow suit. Oh man, so this like is a family of four to rent the next, you know, Jurassic Park for 20 bucks. And so that their whole family could see it. That's a steal in my mind. Compared to going out to a theater, having to pay a premium of at least at least like 10 to 15 bucks a ticket. And then, you know, your kids are going to want candy and popcorn and drinks, right? All of that adds up to a very expensive night versus, oh, I'll rent it at home and all of us will just sit around the couch for 20 bucks. But there's a caveat there. It's because they're trying to get you into their service. So it's going to be like that 30. I think that's actually, that was the rumor going on in Mulan that they're saying that they're selling it as is like, hey, it's only 30 bucks, family of four, you're shelling out at least 40 plus change for Well, that, that's this. for Disney Plus. I'm talking about like VOD, right? I'm, ta- I'm sorry. I'm going back to like the universal deal because okay. right? that's that's like straight VOD, right? That's just a one-time cost. You don't subscribe to anything, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, that I think is a pretty good price. But yes, to be to locked- say they won't add in into their you don't, you don't streaming? Yeah, I you think they know. will. I personally think they will because I think that's kind of where the industry is going now. It's, mm-hmm. it's continuous revenue. So, there's no reason for them to do it as a one-off service. They want lock-in. Yeah, but the thing is also, the Peacock service, streaming service is technically free. free. Yeah. Tiered free, mind you. Tiered free. They're, they already have a streaming service that's tiered, right? Because there is a free service that 
pretty much gives you about two thirds of all of their content. Sure. And then their premium uh, stuff is locked behind like, a, I think it's like a five or $10, you know, monthly rate. But then on top of that, now they're, you know, we, we don't know. I mean, they're, we're, this is all speculation, right? We don't know what it means to have this premium VOD where it's going to go because, you know, Universal does have its Peacock. AMC actually also has its own kind of streaming service now. Um, they 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 kind of started one with the um, uh, during this kind of quarantine time. I don't know how many people actually use it or have used it, but they have their own thing started. So I don't know if maybe that's where AMC is going to get their money too. Is that maybe exclusively those premium VODs from Universal will only be able to be bought on AMC site? You know, right. Which, you know, again, that, that, but that comes down to the deals that the theater chains, which now have become from that, which will now transition from theater chains to essentially online media slash streaming services. You know, it's a, it's literally converting their industry to something else. It, it's going to come down to the contracts they end up making with the production companies. And it's the same, I think, a good example of this that we can look for in terms of like, What's going to happen is the Netflix model where like Netflix now is essentially been forced and think, you know, Netflix has been successful, mind you, but has been forced to start producing their own content because none of the others, none of this or very few of the studios want to give them their premium content now because they're all just going to go to Netflix, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's why they're creating their own streaming services. So I think AMC, the problem for them is they're essentially starting off in a way like how Netflix is. They're going to try to get the studios to sell them their content. But why is Universal going to sell AMC the content if Universal can offer it on Peacock? Yeah. And it's all under Comcast. Then the money's internalized within Comcast. But yeah, we don't know the specifics of this deal. But right. like, I can't I can't imagine that AMC didn't write something in this contract to say like, hey, we, we still get your movies for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like you have to sell your like we have to you have to be able to allow us to get money off of like our own streaming service or whatever, right? I mean that's partly why I still think this is a win for AMC because I think they they probably have a lot of of leeway in this deal to get something out of it. Oh, they have to, yeah. And I think I think AMC did a good pivot there from like we're not showing Universal stuff, which probably was just theatrics, no pun intended, to try to get like public opinion into the mix to, oh, okay, we're going to cut a deal with Universal now. But it really does say a lot. Like, you know, like you said, it, it's all speculative right now, but it, it says a lot for the potential shift in the whole industry, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, theaters are up until this point were fairly widespread, but the more people stream, the more people go to online platforms, and then you add in the COVID pandemic fears on top of it, I think it's going to be harder and harder to maintain the same model. I think there will always be the, I, I'm not always, but you know, but I think there will still be a place for theaters in the future for sure. Like Tenet is a film I want to watch in theaters. Trolls, I don't care, but like a big IMAX film or something like that. I don't think there's anything to really replace that per se, but it's going to be a lot. I don't think it's going to be the same scale of industry that it used to be anymore. So I think that there are going to be certain business partnerships that are going to be held intact. And this is kind of representative of that 
Universal is willing to go out of its way to say, all right, AMC, we're going to cut you a little slack, like Derek, Derek is saying, like they, uh, AMC kind of won in that sense. So I do think that business deals and business partnerships are very much in the mix and there are things to be lost, there are things to be gained depending on those deals and transactions. So what you're saying is like, could we see a deal soon with like Regal and like Sony, right? Yeah, stuff like, like they that. somehow partner up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that they want to keep those in Hollywood because you never know when you're going to need to be bailed out sometime, you know, just like Fox and Marvel and that whole thing. They might have had a sour relationship in the past, but they had a really good one that stemmed all the way back when Fox bailed out Marvel from the brink of bankruptcy. And I think that kind of shows also that, you know what, if they want to buy it back, there's going to be a price for it. But at the same time, we got to remember some of these historic deals that we had back in the day. But it was an investment on Fox's part, too. And I oh, don't, definitely. It, it was an investment that actually, to a certain extent, probably failed because they couldn't, they haven't been able to launch uh, like a really long lasting franchise the same way the MCU has. But you did bring up a really good point there was uh, there was some other articles I was reading, like basically Universal and AMC are guaranteed to have some sort of deal at this point, or it's all right. but been confirmed. Right. But exactly. is that going to become like an AMC Universal thing or is Regal going to want to get in on it? And does Regal want the same deal or are they going to get a different one? So are we going to see like different theater chains only representing certain studios, which I think as a consumer, that's going to be a pain. In it. That's going to be a huge pain. Yeah. Like a massive pain. Like, oh, I want to go watch a uh, film from like Disney. I got to go to Regal now. And then yeah. I want to watch a Universal film. I can only go to AMC's. I don't think it'll go to the point. I don't think it's going to be as drastic as they're going to limit what movies we see in theaters. I don't think so either. Yeah. It, it is going to still be a pain that like anyone that subscribes to Peacock is now only going to get Universal movies, right? Like nothing outside of Universal is really going to come to Peacock. You know, let's say Sony or something starts their own streaming service. I mean, that that's when the pain starts is that. When if if all these individual uh, studios think that what the best thing for them is to create a streaming service, then it really hurts the consumer because I don't want to like that was the great thing about Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. For a long time was that I can subscribe to just Netflix and a lot of stuff was there from all these different studios. But yes, over the years, like things like Friends is getting pulled, things like yeah. o- The Office are getting pulled, right? So it's like. All the things that were great about Netflix is, is starting to leave, but Netflix has rebounded in their own right and said, like, hey, we'll produce our own original content that people are going to watch. And people do, you know, people mm-hmm. do look forward to the next Netflix thing, right? But I, th- I think that's the thing. I think Netflix is a unique entity because it was the first on the scene and pretty much no one else saw them coming. So they sort of like gave it all to Netflix during the, yeah. when they were doing contracts. They're not going to do it anymore. They've oh, seen, no. they've seen the success of Netflix. Every other company now, um, you know, the Peacock service, Disney service even, HBO Max, all of them are playing catch up to Netflix. Netflix, Netflix did a great thing in that it brought back Avatar The Last Airbender, oh, saving them. Oh, sure. What? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I, I love that series too, man. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, but like to the point of the conversation maybe, yeah. though, really, <laughs> it, it's like, no one's going to do that for Netflix. You're not going to see Friends no. ever on Netflix again. You know? You, you never know. They might pay for it. You never it. know. It, uh, they won't do it unless their service collapses. But the There's thing is, 
I believe that Netflix probably has a pretty good relationship with some of these uh, studios too. And not to mention Nickelodeon is actually syndicating Friends. So I don't think they're going to take that off. And so in that sense, I feel like Friends still has a chance to go other places. Maybe it's just going away for a little bit. And Netflix does phase things out and then they bring it back just like Avatar Last Airbender, right? So you never know. It does, but it's based on whether the studios are willing or whoever owns the rights to the films is willing to sell the rights of it to Netflix for X amount of time. And quite frankly, unless their, um, I'm sorry, their service collapses, there's no reason for them to outsource their own material because they want people in that revenue stream for them. Comcast is going to want people on Peacock. They don't want them on Netflix. So why would they put a tentpole series on Peacock, but also give it to Netflix? And if everybody's like, oh, well, Netflix hasn't, I already have Netflix anyway, I'm not going to sign up for Peacock or Peacock Premium or whatever. I can give you one reason, business partnerships, because not everyone will want to go to Peacock. Not everyone will want to go to Netflix, you know? So how do you reach out to both markets? How do you get that deal? You sell that to another streaming company, right? But it has been very publicized the last couple of months that, you know, Friends is leaving Netflix, that yeah. uh, the, the office, office is, is leaving, leaving Netflix. Netflix, right? Because these other streaming services are taking it back because they understand that that is premium content. Like people love right. the office and right. potentially they will go to Peacock just so that they could watch the office. Right. Right. Um, same There's thing no guarantee of that success, Trek. though. No, there isn't. No, there but isn't. That's what right. Jeff is saying. That is, if P- Peacock collapses, then he could see those new deals being formed, right? Like, oh, Peacock's was a failed experiment. So let's get this back onto another streaming service so that so we can, we still can make get money. money. We can get money for it, right? My take is that even if it's not a failed exper- experiment, like, let's say that there's still people using it. But now let's say it's it's time to sell back the rights to get a little bit of money now that we already have subscribers. Let's sell well, it back to Netflix. Let's sell it back to, you know, X company, right? That that could be possible. That could be possible. It's gonna be a balancing act. Basically what they need to what they're gonna do, and you know, this is beyond me and I think beyond all of us because none of us are in business and this sort of business, obviously. And I don't pretend to understand the intricacies of it that well. But after doing the math, I'm sure these companies will come up with like a solution. Okay, uh, this is the way to make the most money. But I think the way things stand right now, there's no reason for them to outsource any of their tentpole series because that's what keeps people on their service and their services are new and they need to keep them on. The reason most of us are still on Netflix, if anything, or a lot, not most of us, but all, a lot of people are on Netflix is out of habit at this point. It's not necessarily, oh, Netflix has uh, this temple show and I'm on it forever. It's just because, all right, it's just Netflix. It's only 10 bucks a month. And it seems like small change. And Netflix keeps pumping out series like Tiger King <laughs> and it gets people watching. Well, but I, then I, I take issue with your point that I do think that Netflix does produce products that people do want to watch. Like oh. it's not just convenience anymore. Like Netflix can't sustain itself based on that it's the only streaming service and it, it was cheap, right? It, like, mm-hmm. I think people have so many choices that if yeah, if Netflix became to a point where like I didn't watch anything on Netflix, I would happily just drop it, right? Right. 
because it's it's easy now because I can find other content that I can watch somewhere else. Let me rephrase then. I think for every X amount of Netflix shows, you could say three, four, five, ten, however many Netflix shows, it's definitely going to have like one absolute winner. But it's yeah, like definitely pumping out a lot of crap too. Yeah. Oh, no, no. And I'm not saying that we subscribe to Netflix because it's the cream. I mean, we had this other conversation about this, but it's not the cream of the crop, right? It's in, in the sense that not everything they produce is absolute winners. Actually, most of the stuff they probably produce is not absolute winners. They do have some pretty viral stuff yeah. once in a while. But, you know, most of the stuff is good enough that I I can rely on them to produce something that I would – I'm more than happy to give them my money every month to watch and speaking of tentpole series the new thing coming to netflix now is they got the rights to uh seinfeld oh did they really i didn't know that yeah seinfeld's going to netflix i don't know okay, when. i don't watch seinfeld yeah fine. no but i mean you know those are the types of series that really keep people locked into these services for the most part and that's why i think in the business you always got to be prepared because what are they replacing friends with it's Seinfeld, right? Oh, what are they replacing that with, you know? So there's always going to be some problem. deal to be made. Of course. But that's Netflix's. That's what Netflix has to keep doing uh, until we can, like, reconsolidate streaming services. But we've gone way off topic <laughs> from the movie theater <laughs> argument. It's kind of hand in hand now, right? Because I'd agree with that, yeah. The streaming service is part of the, I guess, the problem for theaters, right? Because... A lot of people can just get content, like original movies and original content on streaming services and probably no, figure, well, this is entertaining enough. I don't need to see the latest movie in theater. Right. Yep. There was I don't know. A, I mean, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I remember reading, I think it was um, CNBC or something like that. There was a really interesting study they relayed to that there was a survey that was done and it was showing that most theater goers are actually pretty heavy streamers as well or consistent streamers as well. So I think there's something to be said about that too. It's like potentially a little bit of the same market. You don't really have many people going to theaters but not streaming movie, not subscribe to streaming services either. Yeah. I want to ask, I mean, Jeff, I think you've kind of already given this answer, but so Art, would you, okay, we'll, we'll start with the universal VOD deal. So would you pay $20 to watch it three weeks after it's been released in theaters? Oh, no, I'm, I'm not paying anything to watch any of those movies <laughs> at any point in time. I will wait till it's free on some service. Or well, not, it's not free. free on some not free. But, yeah, but, but on one of the services paying, that you would watch. Yeah, exactly. That or I will wait until it's on or, or my cousin Just, gets it or something like that. You know, like five like, buck DVD bin. You know, like that yeah. kind of like Black Friday, you know, something like that. So I'm also assuming that you would not pay the $30 for the Mulan. Oh, no. <laughs> and I th- <laughs> the funny thing is, okay, so I do think that People, like like Jeff says, I agree that this is kind of a test. Now, how big of a test this is, like, if it does well, will, like, certain streaming services go to this model? I think that certain services will still not use this kind of a model. And I think that the reason why is it's going to be detrimental in the long run for just basically, you know, it's just going to be really toxic, I think, in a sense, to the community. I think... A lot of people that buy this are going to kind of give that power to 
to Disney or give that power to some other streaming service. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing because then they can continue to do this kind of thing. So this is one of those rare cases where I do think that the power actually does lie with the people. Yeah, I really do think that like if a lot of people pay for this, more people are actually losing out because I think for the most part, most people will not want to pay this fee and the people that will pay it are kind of the people that will pay for it anyway. So it's not like a very good status quo that we're going to hit if they do this kind of thing. It's going to alienate people in a, in a sense, I think. So Jeff, I, I guess to ask you again then, I mean, would what, what about you? Would you pay this the, the $20 premium universal fee? It depends on how much my wife wants to watch the movie. No, I was kidding. Um, that's true. That's, that's true, right? That's true. I, it's I mean, like any movie, right? We go out to watch. Like you have to weigh – I mean like going to a theater, you have to weigh if you're going to want to watch it or not, right? If you want to pay the ticket price and get in your car and, and waste that gas and time to go mm-hmm, watch mm-hmm. a movie for – you know, $15 a ticket or whatever, you know? I remember, you know, honestly, like having a personal conversation at home, like the other day of talking about this whole move on thing. I, I remember we were talking and we were just like, how many of our friends can we get together in one place, socially distanced to watch this movie and split the cost? Because exactly. that, that's what it comes down to. It's like I alone or just the two of us are not paying $20, $30 for this film just to watch it at home. But... If we can get some friends over, make it a movie night kind of thing and split the cost that way, it, it you know, there is legitimacy to the cost re- benefit ratio in terms of like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. if we saw it in theaters, it would be 10 bucks a person minimum plus concessions. But yeah. again, I mean, even if you just got two other friends to come over, right, right, yep. e- even during this whole COVID time, like, oh, we're not, we're not, we are not endorsing people to, to not practice safe social distancing right. or... <laughs> <laughs> to to group in like groups of 10 or more or whatever. No, but we're talking about like a hypothetical, how can we move forward with this while still being yeah. financially reasonable, I guess would be a good yeah. term. Oh right? yeah, you could definitely have a movie night and it and if you charged everyone like three bucks or, or yeah, if you split it evenly, even if it was two other your friends, that's only $5 a person. Mm-hmm. Like that's way cheaper than going to a theater. Right. right, but does yeah. that actually? Um, how should I say? Does that actually replace the theater experience too? Because there is something to be said about going to a theater and really sitting yeah. down and like not having my phone on or not really even being like literally being allowed sh- to do that. Yeah, being yeah. shamed into not having my phone around because you know when I'm watching movies at home, I've got my phone there. You know, I might send a text, might look at something really quick. You know, stuff comes up. But if I'm in a theater, I'm locked into that experience. And I think that's where there's always going to be a place for a certain type of or certain films, especially if they interest you. Like uh, I mentioned Tenet as an example, and Tenet's kind of the one big highlight, right? I want to watch Tenet in theaters. To me, that that is a theater-worthy film. Um, Derek, you and I watched a film earlier this year, um, 1917, 1918? 17. Sorry. 1917, I wanted to watch that in theaters, right? Like, mm-hmm. that was a film that I wanted to be, like, big screen, loudspeakers, in that experience moment. But that doesn't mean that just because you, me, and some other people want that, that the industry is going to keep up with that if enough people buy into this new model. Mm-hmm. And that is my biggest fear because, uh, you know, we might not have that choice anymore. Or theaters are going to be, like, $20, $30 affairs. Per person. Yeah, because they have to somehow make up that cost, right? Right. That's how um, uh, there's that one. Um, I went to a pretty expensive theater once as a Christmas 
like a family Christmas thing, uh, I pick. That's like yeah. 30 bucks a person. Yeah. You know, it's a very expensive. And, and it was an, you know, it was a great night. It was good to spend your family and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that is not a reasonable thing for most consumers to do at all, much less I mean, on a regular basis. that's not a reasonable basis. thing to be doing it every, for every movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you yeah. know, that is not a, that is not a sustainable business model. And I think IPIC was already going downhill. I think IPIC's like shut down a lot of their places. The one near me shut down. That was before oh, wow. COVID. Um, so there's something, you know, that model's already been proven that that's not going to work. So how are, how are they going to, um, you know, are, are they going to try to save this model? Like, is it going to work or are the studios just going to be like, nope, we're going to try to monetize for our own benefit then. And, uh, you know, I understand what Art's saying about contracts, but to me, I think a studio in, especially in this situation is just going to look internally and they've already been doing that prior to COVID. To answer my own question, I, I think if I really wanted to watch a movie and I still didn't feel safe going, to, like I, I love the theatrical experience, like that's nothing's going to replace that to me. Like I would choose that over anything. But I've been really struggling with thinking about you know Tenet being released and if Tenet is actually in a theater near me, am I going to go? Because I do really want to watch Tenet in a theater, but I also really don't want to get sick all right i don't want to be <laughs> to be called out for p- potentially you know worsening this this uh this pandemic that we're already in right like I, I want to be part of the solution rather than the problem so for me this could be a good compromise like if i get to watch tenant three weeks after i mean it's not a universal movie but like hypothetically if i get to watch it three weeks after it comes out from the safety of my own home Tenet does seem like a movie I I might pay $20 for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. And I think, you know, like the question is, is, is what's the film, right? Like is Mulan something that we were all looking forward to enough that we would do that? But if the movie was something else, like say Avengers, yeah, most of us, and we were in this current scenario, most of us probably would have paid. Derek, I don't want this to happen to you, but I'd still laugh if it did. Like, let's say you went to watch Tenet in theaters. This is not and a then good <laughs> You just went like, you just put out like a little cough, like, uh, and then start, <laughs> people started like glaring at you. Right. And then I mean, you never the know. Usher like, comes and takes you away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you please leave, sir? Yeah. We, said, we said no coughing whatsoever. <laughs> I was choking on popcorn. No Come on. No breathing. Yeah. <laughs> Your popcorn is murdering me. Yeah, but to, to but then to answer the Mulan question, I mean Mulan is less. Be it, I was excited to watch it. I am still excited to watch it. I potentially would pay that thirty dollar price only because it is something I wouldn't want to support. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's more of like uh, it's it's less me just wanting to watch a movie, but it's more of wanting to support the creatives behind it, like to support the actual like message of the fact that it's an Asian led cast. That is, is a female directed movie. Like all those things add up to things I would, I want to put my money where my mouth is, right? And I'd rather, if it's just 30 bucks, to kind of support that. Cause it really is a shame that it's Mulan, right? Mm-hmm. That, that I was really excited to go watch it because it does look like an interesting movie and because of those things I mentioned just right now. But then the fact that now it's being kind of shelved into the Disney Plus subscription service. And I'm afraid a lot of people now won't pay that price because it does seem like a steep price. And this movie won't get the support that I think if it stayed in theaters would have gotten. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, Mulan is an interesting counterpoint to another film that Disney released that was supposed to be theatrically released, uh, Artemis Fowl, a few months ago. (laughs) An awful movie. We know your disdain for it. We know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, no, but you made a good point, right? Like, Disney made this film. It was supposed to come out in theaters. And they released it on Disney Plus without any pomp and ceremony, probably because they knew it was not that good and probably yeah. not going like to gen- that, That's not behind some kind of paywall, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Oh, they knew. They knew from the get-go. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That has me thinking just right now. Like, I didn't really realize it. Does that mean Mulan? They have faith in Mulan. Do you think they, they think it's an actual good movie? Oh, or they – no, no, no. They think it's a movie that's going to draw people in. I think with the amount of Asians that they're kind of catering to – it definitely has more of a draw, I would say, like, especially like the Chinese market, you know, how everyone always wants to try to get the Chinese market. But my understanding is that for the Chinese market, it's still going to go into theaters. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like, they know that the upper echelon of America is Asian. <laughs> wow, you, you really had to say it like that. Wow. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. here's the thing. But here's the thing, though. Mulan is a Disney classic. It's from the 90s. Everybody remembers it. That's the time of, like, Hercules, Lion King, Aladdin, all these classic yeah. Disney films. Mulan is going to right. draw people into the theaters, whether it is good or not, because it is a well-regarded classic Disney film. And that's why they're trying. That's try- why they're trying so hard to continue to mon- to monetize it. In all seriousness, and I don't propose this by any means, but there is sharing that can go on in the sense of like you guys already alluded to it. But there are options like you know Discord streaming, Discord sharing screens, Zoom sharing screens, uh, uh, WebEx sharing screens. So what do people do? They invite a bunch of their friends. To come into mm-hmm. these chat rooms or these rooms, they'll share their screen. Everyone gets to watch it. And just like you said, Derek, like you just split that cost. And but so in a sense, nothing to replace will, the uh, experience. It's not going to replace the theater experience. But what it does is there's this camaraderie, this bonding that you still have your friends. You're all still watching the movie at the same time, reacting at the same time. So there's still bonding going on. And so in that sense, will Mulan Actually, you know, will people pay that $30 price? I think there's a select few that will, but there are going to be people that are crafty and come up with this. And this brings up something that, you know, I had maybe never thought about, but the legality of it. Like, is it legal to stream, the, like to buy that and then stream this? At the moment, there's no law against it. But I could see that easily becoming an issue later on. Oh, and hopefully gosh. not because of our podcast, right? But yeah. Actually, I don't know. There might be something built into the Disney app when you signed when we signed up for it that might say something along those lines in the fine print. In fact, how I'm, will they? How I'm, will they safeguard that though? How will they actually intentionally? I mean, they can't. They, they, they may can. not safeguard it, but exactly. if you are, they but can. if you're caught, if you are caught, there is they have they may have legal recourse. How yeah. are they going to catch you though? Again, how are they going to catch you legally? Catch you. They can't. I mean, they really honest, can't. I mean, someone could be someone, stupid and be like, hey, could... I'm streaming Mulan right now. No, seriously. <laughs> no, someone's yeah, going to no. TikTok yeah. like, hey, I'm streaming Mulan with all my friends. Like, oh, someone's going to do it. Okay. This. Everyone well, join then they my deserve stream. To be, yeah, they deserve to be sued because they're idiots. But yes, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. But yes, you're right. Art, if we're if we're all sneaky about it and I'll be like, hey, 
don't tell anyone, but I'm going to do this. Yeah. yeah, like it could happen. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to do it because we don't even know we're going to pay for it. But yeah, it's it. I, yes, there are ways around this kind of like what Jeff was saying about the VOD, right? They can't stop you from inviting friends over to watch this rental. They can't be like, you can't have, you only can watch it with two people minimum, right? Yeah. Like, what's to stop you from, yes, inviting all your friends over. And if you invite 20 people over, we're not saying invite 20 people. I'm not saying invite 20 people. <laughs> but if you invite 20 people over, that's a dollar a person, right? Or whatever, right? That's so cheap. And like you said, you almost get like this pseudo movie experience because you're with all your friends, right? You're in this shared experience with all your friends. And that might even be better because you're not with a bunch of strangers who are like annoying, right? You're with right. your friends. Exactly. It just depends how big your TV and how good is your sound system. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think, Derek, you'd especially want to, you'd probably agree with this is, I, I think this is bad for small independent indie films and studios. I don't know if I would agree with that just because we've seen them actually succeed in the last couple of months through VOD. We we don't know what would happen if all movies went to VOD, but what we've seen is that a lot of people have been kind of clamoring for new entertainment. So things like King of Staten Island, those kind of movies people have actually gone onto VOD to watch because those are the only quote unquote new movies that have been released, right? Also, historically in the past has really done well for horror movies. Like a lot of horror movies have, have been uh, released on VOD. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is something that could be good overall in the sense to democratize movies or we, we just don't know or still favor the big ten poles. I think I think the whole deal about 17 days is probably going to it might hurt. Um, independent films at least theatrical release independent films yes but then what if, if you're going into your vod market right you mm -hmm. see this vod page and right next to avengers is king of Staten island right like you would never see that in an actual theater right because they they are they are not they're usually separated right you have to go you go to an amc you're going to see the big tent poles and if you want to see some of the smaller independent movies, you're going to have to go to a like an Alamo Draft House or a Lemmy Playhouse, you know, in in L.A. So it's interesting to see that like it, it could democratize things, right? If you're because it's like the Netflix model, right? Where I don't know what's good or what's not. It's just all there. I don't know. I think I don't know. If studios will want to take chances on independent films or more experimental films for that reason since you're not going to be able to place them in essentially you know we're using the term tentpole a lot but like your tentpole theater market which is like you said amc regal big ones where you get more exposure to most people right because you know when's the last time you guys went to a small scale theater it's just you know you're not doing it for the purpose you're doing it specifically to watch those films typically Versus if you market in a place like AMC, they're watching Avengers. It's like, hey, that looks interesting. Yeah, but what, I guess what I'm saying is that if you go to an AMC, like I can't go to an AMC and watch a lot of like a lot of these smaller movies, right? But let's say you went to a, a, an actual theater that had like Avengers and a, an independent movie on the same list and Avengers sold out. Someone might be like, oh, okay, well, I'll just go watch that other movie that's out, mm -hmm. right? Versus, and that's what VOD can do, right? It creates a platform where, like, if you go on Amazon 
and you look up all the VOD, like there's a list of like your new release releases for VOD. We don't know if they'll separate out like Avengers from independent movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I, they could I, be I they could be saying. right next to each other, and it's like, oh, yeah. okay, oh, I didn't know this movie's out too, right? That's what I'm saying. It. I think it it could help to democratize movies in the sense yeah. that you don't know what's can pull versus what's independent. Mm. And I get what you're saying. You're like saying it's it's kind of widening that market, widening that perhaps viewership that could happen. You know, you're uh, increasing the exposure of these mm-hmm. movies. Especially if you do put it up ne- right next to an Avengers, like, hey, this was released this week, Avengers, and then I, I'll keep bringing back to this example, uh, you know, King of Staten Island, right? Like, you might watch Avengers, like, oh, I want another movie to watch. Oh, there's this other movie that just got released on VOD too, mm-hmm. right? That, that's what I'm saying is that I don't necessarily think it. I'm not necessarily thinking it's going to be this great thing for independent movies, but I don't think it's going to necessarily hurt the way you think it will hmm. also but i'm basically saying i don't know yeah, <laughs> i don't yeah. know exactly yeah, i don't, I don't know where this know. would go yeah I don't i'm think curious though what what is the what is the purchasing rate on like foreign movies you know like i'm just curious about that yeah i don't know i'm not sure yeah but that would be great too like if we saw if vod really did become a thing like and it was so much easier for me to like watch some of these small independent movies or small like or like you said, foreign movies, it could be well worth it, right? Versus trying to trying so hard because sometimes it's really hard to find movies, especially if you're not living in a place like L.A. or New York or in some huge market that you can yeah. find these movies easily because there are a lot of small independent theaters in L.A. Uh, you know, I speak from experience, like Sacramento. I, I'm in Sacramento, and it's 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 hard. It's not easy to find sometimes find these movies. Mm. So you never know. It could it could be good for independence. Uh, yeah, I don't think we any of us know where this is going to go in the next few months, but we'll see. I will say that I I'm interested. To, I, I'm wondering why, or I I guess because maybe they think it's a one off. But I would be more inclined. I would I'd be more inclined to instead of paying a thirty dollar one time fee for Mulan, if they had a tiered system where. And it was very clear that, like, hey, if you pay an extra $10 a month, you get to see Mulan first, but eventually it'll become free or it'll become part of the basic plan, right? So you can make a choice like, hey, it's it's like not really locked behind a paywall, but it kind of is, right? It's only like a temporary paywall. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think so, I think yeah. personally, like, that's kind of my fear is that that's the direction it's going because uh, I don't really want to pay $10 more a month. <laughs> If you knew that eventually, like six months down the line, you didn't, it would have been like, you can just still live with that basic fee, then you, that's your choice, right? And then that's only if they can guarantee that. But I think, unfortunately, I think there's more power. I don't think the power is in the consumer's hand at that point. I think the power is in the studio and the company and the streaming services' hands. And that's what me as a consumer, I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. My thing is that the power of the consumer is going to be like how much you pay for that freemium type purchase that you're doing. If they see that you're going to put in, like it's kind of disgusting to me because it's like microtransactions, even in a streaming service, like what the heck, man? Like that's supposed to be in mobile games. Don't keep that away from oh, streaming services. A whole you know? other topic. That's a whole other yeah. topic. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, right. So like keep that out, you know? So it's a loot box. 
It's a Roomba. It's going to be like, oh, sorry, you got a movie you already own. What? <laughs> I think that'd you be the worst to. feeling, right? That'd be the worst. Uh, That's awful. No, I mean, these streaming services have to like justify their value in terms of how much we pay them every month. But as you, as Derek, you said, my greatest fear that I've been, you know, that I pointed out from the very beginning is they're going to see this model and they're going to see, they're going to find another way to monetize. We already know Dis- oh, yeah. Disney Plus's average cost every other streaming services average cost is going to go up and it's not just because of inflation it's going to go up because they're going to want to make more money um and that's fine as a company that's what they do the problem is is how are we going to react as a consumer because the market the way the current market and the services are designed is you want to watch disney movies there's only one place to watch them if you want if you don't want to watch them in the theater and that's but now bad. it's like, do you want to watch this particular Disney movie? Well, you yep. got to give us more money. They sold us Disney Plus as the place where you can watch all Disney-related content. And it all comes full circle. What did I say about trolls? Who's getting <laughs> trolled? The audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yourself included. Yes. I'm waiting yes. for the, you know, Mark- Mark's not getting trolled. He's not paying for it. Actually, I'm not paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the free. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just going to wait for the day like they're going to say, uh, if you want to watch The Mandalorian, you've got to pay like $5 oh. extra a month. I'm out. Uh, I'm out. I right? love Star Wars, but I'm out. You're right. <laughs> oh, wow. But there's nothing stopping him from... The only thing that's stopping him from doing that is however many people drop off the service. And I'm betting it's not enough for, for them not to make a profit. And that's why I said the power of the people is critical in this sense because it will depend on how much they pay and how much gets, you know, I guess, made. So, I mean, I think it's – I I, I love this conversation. Um, This is, you know, one of the topics that, like, worries me, but it's also really interesting to see where it's going to go in the next few months, next couple of years. Now, don't get yeah. me wrong. If I'm an exec, uh, you know, like, yeah, definitely pay me more money on yeah. streaming service. No, no, I'm kidding. You are a terrible executive. <laughs> and, and, um, I mean, um, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to see not just the next few months, but to see what happens after the pandemic is over. Like, we don't know when yes. that's going to happen. Yes. But is it going to just go back to normal? Or are we too late? Mm-hmm. Is it too late for that? Right. Like, that's yeah. what I'm very curious yeah. about. Mm-hmm. And the when longer we vaccine, go in this pandemic, it, it's yeah. going to be really hard to go back. Yep. We'll, we'll have this yeah. conversation post-vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Art, where p- can people find you? You can find me on Instagram, at Mixed Bag of Nuts. Jeff? Uh, I'm also on Instagram, the.other.jwing. And you can find me, Derek, at the wrong Derek, Derek spelled D-A-Y-I-K. And that is for Instagram and Twitter. If you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts on anything we've said, you can email us at geeksinapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.